Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind-the-scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacherboys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Micah Helton. Micah's mom, Amanda, was on a prior episode of the show titled, I Had to Divorce My Church, Escaping Domestic Abuse in the IFB. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, it's definitely going to add some valuable context to the conversation that me and Micah are about to have. So if you haven't heard that yet, pause this episode, jump over there, listen to that episode. I think it's maybe three or four episodes back and give that a listen before jumping in. If you don't do it, you'll probably still be able to figure your way out through the episode, but it definitely adds much needed context to our discussion. And before we get into the episode, I want to remind you guys that I have a brand new show called The Good Story Podcast. I'm interviewing creatives, uh, experts in their field when it comes to marketing, branding. I'm talking to filmmakers, producers, musicians, artists, anyone working at telling stories on a professional level. And I definitely hope you guys will check out that episode. I just interviewed Steve Berkowitz. He's a producer of hit shows like Outdoddered and Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And uh, we have a great conversation about reality TV, that industry, and what the future is for that. And why people are drawn to stories like reality TV shows have to offer. So uh, if you guys appreciate my voice on this show, you appreciate the perspectives that I bring on this show, then please do me a solid and check out the Good Story Podcast. With that said, let's head over into the interview with Micah Helton. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. To find more information about the Preacher Boys podcast and upcoming documentary, visit PreacherBoysDoc.com or connect on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski. All right, Micah, thank you so much for joining me on the Preacher Boys podcast. Can you just tell the audience, I know I gave a little bit of background in the intro, but can you share with our audience what your introduction to the Independent Baptist movement was? So I was young and sort of broken up home. Uh, my step, he was my stepfather at the time, was in and out of the house for drugs, and he was domestically abusing our family. So when it seemed like it was about to be all split up by, by social services, uh, two soul winners came to the door and told, told us there was a way to fix our home and fix our family, and they told us to come to church, and 
it, I think it was eight years ago. They told us we went that first Sunday and I was a little bit skeptical at the time because I was being made fun of by these church people, but they and stopped. How, how old were you during this time? I was about seven, seven or eight. Um, I was being, well, basically all I owned were cargo shorts and a really, really like not good looking Hawaiian shirt. That's all I had for like quote unquote dress clothes. So I was being insulted by adults there in the church day one. And I just had a lot of trouble with them with buying a hundred percent into the movement. Like it seemed the rest of my family did. The only really like good thing for me is the stepfather in the situation turned off of drugs because of the church. So I kind of went with it originally. And I was like, okay, this makes sense. It was putting up with the abuse of the church because you're like, well, the situation at home is a little bit better. So I can put up with one day a week for the sake of well, six other was, days. It was a lot better. It was night and day. We went from a terrible situation to a livable situation. But then of the first week, I heard someone tell me because I was asking questions and this is a thing. We were in the church for about seven or eight years. I asked a lot of questions, and if anyone has experience with the Independent Fundamental Baptist Church, they do not like it when you ask questions. I was asking why we didn't have, have a woman choir director, because the old choir director had left for reasons that were unknown to me, and there was a lady that could sing in the church and lead music properly, right. like she had... had a college degree in it and I was like well why doesn't she do it and they were like oh well she's a woman she can't be in a leadership position and then I was right. that like kind of st struck a note with me and I was like that doesn't seem very Christ-like you know to not allow a woman to lead singing about God so right. from that day on from that day on I wasn't 100% bought into the whole church thing because it just seemed off and what was the what was your experience with i guess faith or, or church beforehand was there zero experience was this kind of your first there there was zero experience i okay. had never read i had never read the bible before i really didn't have a, a grasp of what was going on around me before right the church because it was it was a really bad situation when you go from this terrible situation where you don't even really know what's going on because of how horrible, like the drug abuse and the physical abuse is, you go to a church and it's just like, well, this is obviously better. Right. So this is the road. This is the road we choose, and we don't really say anything about it because, well, it's much better than the situation we were in. Right. But when I grew up a little bit, I was about second grade and. Uh, the kids at public school were starting to see that I was a bit strange in the way okay. that I thought because, yeah. because the church was indoctrinating us from very, like from a very young age. Right. And we, so even though we, you weren't necessarily bought in with the entirety as a whole, 
you definitely found yourself buying into certain concepts or just believing at face value certain things that they were teaching you? Yes, of course. Well, I still believe there's a God and I believe in spirituality and I believe that the Christian God is God. However, I do believe that church inherently corrupts it. So I'm not a church goer, but I still read Mm. the Bible and pray. My mom had not really been clear on where I was spiritually because she wasn't really aware, but I do still believe in God and in praying and reading the Bible, but I don't go to church because I think it inherently corrupts itself. That's interesting. And we can definitely circle back to that because I definitely want to hear more of your story, but there's, um, there's, I definitely want to talk about the post IFB experience, but circling, circling back into your, your IFB experience. So, so the kids in school are starting to notice like, Hey, there's a little bit of a difference here. You're starting to act a little strange. One, um, I'm surprised that you were in public school with attending an IFB church because usually that's pretty, I'm assuming there was blowback from the church regarding that. Um, There was, they, but it was, it never really came back on me. It was was to your parents more guilty. They, yeah, they were saying they shouldn't be here because, well, for one, public school is an open forum of ideas. And once you bring, (laughs) once you bring an IFB definition, and I'm not saying all IFB churches are the same, but I am saying a lot of them. If you bring their definition of God into an open forum, their definition of God is an angry, vengeful God who will smite you down at the nearest sin or the closest convenience to him because he's i believe that a lot of a lot of ifb people want god to be an angry vindictive god because to be christ they want to be christ-like and if christ is angry and vindictive then they can be angry and vindictive so that's why i think there's a lot of i wouldn't say every ifb church but a lot of them there's like abuse, the same abusive situations over and over and over and over again, because right. people just want to, they want to put their negative traits and attribute that to God. Therefore, they are Christ-like when they act like that. Right. Well, and, there, and there's, there's really, I, and I've broken this down on the show before, but there's really just two types of people. And I think you really hit the nail on the head. The theology represents such an angry, vindictive God. And so you either have people who are already angry and vindictive and are looking for an excuse to be that way. And so they are drawn to this kind of philosophy. And then you also have a second group who are taught this theology, believe it to be true and the right spiritual path. And so even though that they aren't inherently vindictive or mean spirited people, it brings out their worst qualities and it, and it really sends them back to the theology. And, that, and that's why you see it in so many churches. The, the theology or the, the practice may be different depending on who the pastor is, but the theology is going to generate a certain type of action if it's truly believed. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. So I went to public school for a year, and all these kids thought it was strange the way I was thinking, the way I was talking, because I was saying things that didn't make sense. In, in, the IF, in this IFB church, right. women were lower on the totem pole than men. But children were the lowest on the totem pole because adults honor thy father and thy mother. I heard that literally every day. And when people would quote, honor thy father 
and my mother, they would kind of misconstrue it where they were saying, like, I'm an adult, therefore I would be your father or mother's age, so you have to listen to me. And do so not I, question. It's unquestioning loyalty. Yes. Do not question the faith. Do not question why things are happening. Do not question why we can't have women in positions of leadership. Don't ask why right. it is the way it is. We were moved in third grade, me and my twin brother, to their church school. Right. And this presents this presented a lot of issues for me later on in life because part of church school was they would teach us normal subjects, probably too far forward for what I was learning like algebra in third grade. Right. And I was it was very confusing for me at the time. So I got a lot of bad grades at first until I acclimated to the curriculum. But they would have Bible study literally every day. And it was pretty much just indoctrination on reading the King James version of the Bible, getting what they wanted from that reading, like one or two verses to lead to the to what they thought, and then not reading anything else. Right. It was just like position they already had yes it was a lot of reading the old testament and i would get a lot of flack because i would always point back to the new testament and be like well didn't this make all of that irrelevant like when god when jesus died on the cross for our sins right if you truly believe then none of what you're a lot of like no marking of the body a lot of the the anti the a lot of the anti-gay stuff is in the old testament don't eat shellfish don't do a lot of things mm -hmm. and i'm saying and i would always point to the new testament and be like didn't jesus die so we wouldn't have to live by these old laws here and then i would get in trouble for that because they don't like it when you question the the authority and i would right. always question the authority <laughs> who who when you say authority you do you mean like a youth pastor or a specific or mainly so, parents or? a lot of the because i became very familiar with the discipline system a lot of the leaders in the church were related to one another i'm going to avoid using names because my mother didn't use names so you'd have the principal of the school who is like the son-in-law of the pastor so it was a right. lot it was a lot of power it was a lot of power structure where you would get in trouble at the school that person and then they'd tell your parents to go home and punish you as well so it was like doubly bad and how did the authority figures in the church go about like with when you say punishment was it just like meetings was it just was it yelling like what was that kind of engagement with from third to sixth grade in the state of kentucky you were allowed to administer corporal punishment so okay. spankings right you were allowed to, you were allowed to spank children who got in trouble and i got spanked a lot right. at that time because a lot i would a lot of the stuff at school they would say, do your homework. And I was like averse to doing homework because I didn't like being told to do 
what be told what to do at home and at school at the same time. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do the homework and they would say that was me being rebellious. So I'd get spanked almost right. on, almost on a daily basis right. until my sixth grade year, the state of Kentucky passed a thing that's passed a law that said you weren't allowed to do that anymore. Right. So then what they would do to administer punishment is they would say you're going to do exercises okay and you're going and you're going to do them until you can't i I don't know if you've ever done uh they called it horse stance it's also been called wall sits yeah 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 um one time in my seventh grade year i had to do that for almost an hour and that was not falling down standing there in the middle of a classroom and it kind of had like a an effect to try to degrade me yeah to kind of shame you in front of your classmates well it wouldn't it wasn't shaming me because i wouldn't be in my classroom i'd get taken to where all the older kids were oh gotcha and punish there in front of the older kids this uh this led to an effect in in the church school where i had about one friend i had one friend everyone else avoided me because i they thought they would get in trouble if they spent time around me you know in the ifb church they isolate you to the ifb church well if you're isolated inside of isolation then your social skills are very very lacking i did not know how to conduct myself in a conversation normally with normal people for a long time after that it took years of going to a public high school afterwards to learn and teach myself how to behave appropriately because I had just spent so long by myself and people actively ignoring me. Right. So it was, it was a, it was a bad situation. Right. But also along with these punishments, they would encourage spankings at home as well, especially Mm -hmm. after they weren't allowed to administer them at the school. The thing was my stepfather, his abusive streak, didn't go away and this was this happened at the church as well this was pretty much endorsed by the church every time i was quote unquote spanked i was forced to pull my pants and my underwear down and sit completely naked while i was hit on my backside and my back usually what was a a wire hanger and this is how old you said that started at about 13. Wow. Okay. Wow. And then that was forced on me until I was 16, I think. And what, what stopped that? Was it just that you were so old then that, cause I mean, 13 is old for that to be happening. Um, but was, what was it that kind of put an end to that? Well, I learned how to not talk. Right. Basically. If you don't ever say anything or do anything, if you cut yourself off from conversation completely, you can't get in trouble for anything. So if I had kept asking questions and kept doing things, then I would have kept getting in trouble. But right. I learned to just pretty much cut myself off from conversation and interaction. So isolate yourself to avoid abuse. Yes. I would throw myself into books 
mainly because right. in the IFB church, a lot of TV shows were forbidden. A right. lot of music, a lot of music was forbidden. So you couldn't, my only outlet was a book and right. I could read and people would are sometimes surprised when I tell them that I've at times there were times on the weekends where I wanted to not inter interact with anyone at the church or my own family at times. Right. Where, where I would read three or four books in a day just to not interact with anyone. Because mm -hmm. the honestly, I was I was afraid all all the time. Yeah. Because even when I got, even when I was older, um, it got worse. Actually, it was less the wire hanger, more he started throwing fists at my face, mm. and it was never publicly endorsed at the church. But people knew they had an office with a door that had tinted windows, mm. and they're like, "You go in there." with your stepdad and no one else is going to be able to see or hear what's going on. So right. later toward the end, I was being physically assaulted in the church. Mm. I wasn't, I wasn't assaulted by other adult males. At the Just church. him at the, at the church. Yes. At the church, they would right. say, well, it, they thought that it would clear them of, of a lot of liability if it was him. Right. Since at the time I was his child. And then it's it was it's really messed up. In the church, they had a verse that they would use to say that abuse was love. Right. If that makes sense. I don't remember what the verse is right now. Was it, uh, I, was it sparing the rod? Or was it the uh, there's um like the I think the blueness of a wound or yeah. something drives away it's yeah, but there's exactly, there's yeah, mainly something. two verses that are used very liberally <laughs> to en yes. engage with a lot of ideas of abuse. But yes, they and basically at at the end of whenever I would be assaulted, I was forced to hug and say hug and say that I love you to the person that had just physically assaulted me several times. Right. And this was from 13 all the way up till we got out. So you say we got out. So I know some people may not have listened to the episode I did with your mom a few episodes back. Can you talk mm -hmm. about what the, the final straw was obviously living with this situation for this long? What was it when you guys decided to kind of leave that church? Well, I, I wouldn't say it was my decision because at the time I had the decision-making ability of let's say someone in their early teens as far as your mental ability to make decisions or because of the amount of responsibility that you were actually given well it was like an emotional thing where my right. my emo my emotional physical and mental growth were all stunted because joining the church because i joined the church mm. and then i was isolated so a lot of my faculties just weren't running at a hundred percent at the time. Like right. I would have a thought where I'd be for, a, it was as early as when I turned 12, I was thinking, I want to run away. I don't want to live here anymore. 
Right. But then I would think, I don't know how to take care of myself. I don't know how to make money. Right. I don't know where I'd go. So I was like, pretty much if I leave, that's a death sentence for me. Yeah. So for, for a long time, I wanted to know, I wanted out, I wanted to get out, but I just didn't have the mental or emotional tools to do that. Right. To make that jump. Yeah. Right. Like I, I wanted to leave very, very like much, much sooner like, than I did. Like but pretty much. It sounds like the minute that you guys started attending, you were ready to go. Yes. But it was much worse than because I was, I was coming from a broken home and I didn't right. even get to second, second grade of normal school. So wow. all of, all of my, all my thought processes, all of, my emotional process was, were compromised almost immediately right. and they weren't at a normal function. Right. And that was because of the church. And this is why it's so messed up because at the court case where they all showed up, one of the people there at the church said, went, got on, on the stand and said that I had mental illnesses. Wow. Yeah. And you'd never been diagnosed with any mental illness. That was all just conjecture on their part. Oh yeah. The so, the only yeah. the only diagnosis I received was after we left. And right. that was post traumatic stress disorder from being beaten on almost a daily basis and right. being isolated. So I wow. was so, so you actually were diagnosed with PTSD from your time in the movement? Yes. Wow. From from a child psych, uh, is a psychiatrist or a psychologist? I think it's a psychologist. I always get the two mixed up. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, I was, and I was made to go to that psychologist every every week because I had anger issues, a right. lot of anger issues. I was yeah, all that mad. bottled up resentment. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have to are forced to be so quiet about something, it's it's bound to happen. Yes. Well, and then through the church and through my interactions with my stepfather, like violence for them is like a way of communication where, you know, a normal person, it's like, no, you use your words and you express your emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it was so normal. It was normalized. And so I, I had to go. I had to take, well, I actually avoided medications because I'm not, I'm not a big fan of right. outside substances affecting my state of thought, Yeah, especially since for so long it was bottled up and the way I thought was controlled by other people. Right. I just like being in control of my own faculties. I'm, I'm 20, I'm 22. Okay. Um, recently I had. I wouldn't call it a disorder, but I basically, I was at work one day. I was working at Walmart at the time when I was 20 and I had a panic attack at work. And then I had about two or three panic attacks daily. And were these brought on by anything specific or did they feel at the time very random to you? They were probably from just general stress. 
Right. But literally the the smallest, slightest stressor would make make mm. it go off. Right. And it would imitate a heart attack. Yeah. And they tried and they tried to put me I think it was like some off brand version of Xanax and I refused that because I I don't like being well, on things that affect my mental state. And I don't I don't want to assume but I but I'm also curious was any of that fear of um or uncertainty about taking medication was that because of your father's background did that play into that decision as well or well he was my stepfather we don't have like a genetic disposition to it right, I think it but, was more I think it was more for a long time I wasn't allowed to think for myself right. and even the thought of being under something that might change my thought processes or alter the way that I'm perceiving things. I just, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Right. Simply because, Oh, also there was the fact that um, a lot, there were, there are certain scriptures in the Bible that say I I'm only not directly quoting, but indirectly it's more pray to God to get healed and don't, don't really trust modern medicine kind of thing. Right. Cause well, because we were in an abusive situation and going to the hospital meant more likely of a chance of a CPS worker showing up because I would get, I would get insanely large bruises all over my body and I'd have people asking me questions about that. And I'd have to say, Oh, I, uh, I fell down or I bruise easy. Right. And, and was that, I mean, obviously covering for that, that those types of situations, were you told to say that kind of stuff or did you just oh, kind of feel a responsibility to? It was more of a felt a responsibility to, because I knew if I said anything different, if it didn't work out, you would I was get in get bigger trouble. Yeah. A thousand percent worse. Right. So I would, it was like a risk compared to a sure thing. Whereas right. the sure thing is if I say that I fell or I bruise easily and that was just from nothing. If I say that, then it's not going to get back and there won't be a, like a chance that there's nothing that nobody, anybody can do about it. So right, it was, exactly. mm-hmm. and one time I was, I was in, I was kind of like, a, I was wrestling with my twin brother and he sat, we were, I, th- we were like, ar- we were like arguing and wrestling and he threw me down on the couch and like my arm was set up straight and he broke my forearm bone by sitting on it. Mm. And I kept telling my, my mother that my arm was broken and she was just as afraid as I was of him. And we went to the hospital eventually after I told her like for the fifth or sixth time that it was broken. Right. And he still, he still yelled at, he yelled at her. Then he yelled at me, even though my arm was broken and it had to be in a cast for weeks. 
So it was like, avoid hospitals, don't take medications. It seems cultish now that you, now that I look back at it, there were, there were days where they'd like have, let's go shoot guns in the back of the church day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, (laughs) and they had this one crazy preacher who would tell stories about how he through God would like protect himself with his, and he'd pull his gun, like handgun out while he was preaching. It's very, Mm. it's a, it's a strange experience. And I, and I assume a majority of churches aren't this way. Right. Yeah. That, that extreme is probably not your common experience, but where we were growing up there, it was, the preacher's word was law, so pretty much if he said something went, then something went. Like it was, it was, it was surreal. Now that I think about it, it's you wouldn't think that people who claim to be, they're like I'm, I'm a person of God, and yet I go and act so savagely toward children and people I don't agree with. They particularly did not like gay people. They hated gay people, in fact, and said they were going to hell. And they did not like when I said, well, the New Testament doesn't say that. The New Testament says everyone can be saved, no matter what, no matter what you think of their lifestyle choices or not choices. Right. Like, I just... I, n- I never understood it. They would they would say exclude people, and I just couldn't do it because I had been excluded from literally right. almost everything. The only time I wasn't excluded was when I was on their basketball team. Hmm. I was doing what they wanted, and I was playing. I was playing defense for their I was playing a center for their JV team so they were like super happy that I could play and I was playing super hard so that's the only time I had never been I hadn't been you know excluded you mentioned earlier the like going to court um and again this was covered on the the previous episode um but can, Mm -hmm. can you just talk about that experience and i don't know how actively involved you were in, in all of that i mean it seems like you were front and center for I was, portions of it um well a lot of it was from second hand i was told i was told and i was actually kept away from court okay on per on purpose by my mother and her parents which mm-hmm. i'm thankful for now i don't have yeah. to deal with I don't have to deal with a lot of the probably anxiety or mental problems it would have caused to deal with the scene. I still get really bad. I don't live in that state anymore. Right. But whenever I go down there, I see people from the church and they want to come and talk to me. And generally negatively talk to you or they want to just talk to you because they recognize you well, they want to just talk to me n- normally, not right. negatively. Right. But when I talk to these people, 
the experience is instantly negative because literally from second grade all the way up till I turned 16, everything was negative for me. So mm -hmm. I just don't want to, I don't want to talk with those people. I don't want to interact with them because it's just like, even if, even if they weren't directly involved with the violence or the, or the way I was treated or the exclusion that was there, they were complicit in it. Like you, people didn't have to exclude me. They chose to. And this has led to a, a general distrust of churches. I, I don't like going to church. I don't like interacting with churches because of a lot of, a lot of churches go to like power structures where the most, the, the top of the social totem pole gets to judge the bottom. And I'm just, I don't right. like that. Right. It doesn't seem very Christ-like to me to sit up on, on your high horse about how holy you are and look down on other people. That was mm -hmm. another big thing. Whenever I would get in trouble, I was, uh, you were made to get in front of the church and mm -hmm. admit your sins. Even if what you had done, hadn't been that wrong. Right. Yeah. Jesus almost taught the exact opposite of that. <laughs> the, yeah. Well, hierarchy. You had, mm -hmm. you had the Pharisees, which were like changing money and he destroyed the money changing thing. Correct. He, right. He was turning over those tables, driving the animals out. And I was, it just, I inherently don't trust most churches I, i'm not saying that all churches are like this i'm just right. saying from my from my experience it's been it's been like that in i see it in a lot of churches so i just don't want to deal with it at all i just right. want to avoid that whereas I, I i still believe in god and i still believe believe in reading scriptures and i still believe in praying I just don't believe in churches anymore because well, let me, mm -hmm. let me, let me ask that as far as your, your faith. So like I brought up on the show, like I'm still a believer, even though that's not something that, you know, the show doesn't exist necessarily to push the yeah, exactly. Christian worldview, mm -hmm. but I am always curious about people's faith after because people are experiencing these traumas and there's a lot of people who do, and I, I can't say that I don't understand. Um, some people do put their faith completely behind. And it's, it's just interesting to me hearing your story and knowing that your first interaction with the Christian worldview was not a pleasant one. What is it that has kept you keeping the belief that, you know, the Christian worldview is one that you embrace? And what was, was there a period after leaving where you felt like, am I wrong about all of this? Is there some portion of this that I do hold to? Like, what was that kind of recovery process and reclaiming your faith for yourself? Well, a big part of it was I, 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 I because I did assess, I assessed what atheism would entail, what right. believing in another, in another religion would entail. And it really made sense to me that there was a higher power and that this higher power, especially when you think about how 
God is. Right. You, he can't, he can't affect the universe the way he used to, because as you could see in the times when there were miracles going on almost all the time in during the Bible times, you had the Roman government who was in charge and they freaked out and started um, going after Christians for, for their faith. So I, I like to believe that there is a God because otherwise it would be, be a pretty sad existence to be honest. In my, in my opinion, of course, this is, you're allowed to hold whatever belief you want. Right. But I wanted to believe in a higher power because if not, then all of the suffering and all of the strife and horrible things I had gone through would have been for nothing. They would have meant nothing. I decided from day one that I would still believe in God because, and I went, I believe that I went through horrible things to help me grow as a person. And God did it for a reason. So I can help show people if they have, even if they have been through the IFP church, that he's not an inherently evil being or that he's vindictive and angry. Like a lot of IFP churches would have you believe he's actually a loving God. And if you're going through hard, hard times, it's usually for a good reason where now I would consider myself a very empathetic person after being excluded for so long. I like to put myself in other people's positions on literally everything. And it's helped, it's helped me grow as a person. It's helped me grow spiritually, mentally. It's helped me avoid this general, a lot of people get into conflicts about politics now. I help avoid those. Now that I grown through what I consider to be Christ, I would just, I like to help people and do good things. And I think that's the way God wants it, you know? He right. wants you to grow. He wants you to learn. So I reclaimed my faith because I believed it. if you don't reclaim your faith and you lose, you lose part of yourself. Mm. You lose to the people that did those horrible things to you. Right. So I believe that God is not this horrible, evil creation of vindictive, angry people in a church that just can't accept moving forward. And that's what I think it is. A lot of the people in the church are scared, are afraid of things progressing, becoming more modernized. Mm -hmm. They don't want to learn. So instead of learning, they abuse and get angry enforce people into their own worldviews and this this is all just my opinion you're allowed to hold whatever opinion you want like and that's that's a another big part in in the church if someone believed differently avoid them don't talk to them this person is bad you are good don't talk to them and i just 
think inherently that's really wrong because you don't want you really don't want that you want to think and prove your own faith through your own thought through other people's thoughts and really accept that's how you in my opinion you accept who god is and how god is because if you accept if you accept on blind faith it's like well what was the point of that whereas if you put some thought into it and still believe then i call that real faith right and you know it's i don't like to force my belief i don't like to force my beliefs on anyone right because i had a lot of people's beliefs forced on me so you know it's just everyone's allowed to have their own opinion and if yours is different than mine i don't hate you for that whereas a lot of people have this issue where they 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 hate other people who have different opinions and i just i can't see why you would want to do that it just seems hateful and angry and god doesn't seem hateful and angry yeah exactly (laughs) right just well, never made sense and if you, to me. If you force your beliefs on someone, and I actually just talked about this. It's not released yet, but I just talked about this on another podcast that I was on. And if you if you force your beliefs on someone, it's never going to work out well. You're either going to burn them out because they don't really believe it and they're trying to pretend they do long enough to make you happy. But the only way to really transfer a belief or something that's important to you is just live it and show that you think it's important and love on everybody regardless of whether they embrace it or not. And it's this idea of being domineering or attempting to force people to convert to your belief system is just never an effective way to communicate. And it's not an effective way to maintain a relationship. And so I think, I think the way you described, you know, your journey of reclaiming your faith is really awesome because you you kind of exemplify the fact that you know for a long time this like the idea of faith and spirituality was used as a battering ram on you mm-hmm. and so i think the fact that you know i think it's great that you you made a point to say you didn't allow them to keep that part of you like you didn't allow the spiritual side to slip away and again, I'm not I'm not trying to push anybody any certain direction with the show, but I do think that there's too many people who feel like because their experience with spirituality was so bad that they allow that part of themselves to die. And you you hit the nail on the head. Like that's that's a lot of who we are. That's like most of what we are <laughs> is that. And so I think when I think it's important for people to hear the fact that like you can leave a horrible place where people misused all kinds of information they they did all kinds of things but you need to go on a journey and make sure that that part of you is healthy whatever that looks like for you and um i just really appreciated your answer i thought that was really really good um i i could i mean i could talk about this all day but i am curious um i am curious to hear um one what you would say to someone who maybe is sitting in the same position you were um during the height of all this you know, kind of craziness within this movement. And then also 
do you believe that there is hope for reform of this movement? I think you, I think you may have answered somewhat regarding this, but I, I'm just curious, kind of wrapping up what your, yeah, you know, what you would say to someone who is in the same position you found yourself in, and whether you think there's hope for the movement as a whole. Well, I don't believe that everyone in the movement is a bad person, or I don't think that every movement church is evil. I think a lot of them abuse, they abuse certain parts of the scripture. And I think there needs, if there ever is going to be a working version of IFB, it can't be independent anymore. You need, there needs to be a form of, of higher up leadership that punishes bad behavior on the lower part. Whereas there isn't right now. And that's a problem with, yeah, that's the problem with independence right now, but it's, they'd have to kind of give up some of the independence if there was ever going to be a working IFB movement that doesn't have a lot of these stories of abuse in them. And what I would say to someone who is currently, if that you're currently in an IFB church, if you're in the same situation that I was in, is even if you need to hide it from the people you care for most, the things I would say is go, go see a psychiatrist to make sure your mental health is okay. And then go see a child protective service worker or a social worker to go see if you are in an abusive situation. And if you are, even though it's very, very hard for a lot of people, it was hard for us. Right. Even if it's hard for you, you will be in a thousand percent a better place if you are not in that position anymore. Right. You don't want people to abuse you. You don't want people to take advantage of you the way that a lot of people are. So if you're in that position, see a psychiatrist or a psychologist, one of the two, and then see a, see a social worker to see if you're being abused. And if you are get out of, get yourself out of that situation. And that this doesn't, this is not endorsing. You don't have to get rid of your religion. You can still believe and whatever you want, or you can change what you believe. You believe that's part of it. In the IFB church, you're not allowed to change your viewpoint, but once you leave, you are. So right. just take care of yourself mainly, mm-hmm. because if you let it go for as long as we let it go for, our family did, it can do, I wouldn't say irreversible, but heavy damage to your psyche heavy damage to your mental capacity to your emotional capacity it could just damage you and then it's not irreversible but it'll be it's a it's really hard it's a hard time to come back so uh, anyone in this situation i would say take care of yourself and then as soon as you're taken care of, take care of people close to you in your family if they're still in it. That's awesome. 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, man. Thanks. I mean, I think you're you're kind of exemplifying that right now, like just sharing your story. I know you've. Um, I know it's not been an easy process, of you know, kind of retraining your brain how to think um, mm-hmm. after leaving a movement like this. But I appreciate you taking time to share, and I think your story is going to be really helpful because there's there's so many people. I mean, obviously, it shows a testament to that. There's so many people with similar stories, and mm-hmm. I I can't thank you enough for being willing to and being brave enough to share you know your story with, with the audience. So I, I really appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes, and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at Preacher Boys Doc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.